Thank you, preacher. Love you, sir. All right. Praise the Lord. Been a good day. Every day is good when the Lord wakes you up. Amen. And uh, I am so thankful to be here, thankful that you're here, and I'm thankful that I get to hear Autumn sing every year uh, my favorite, one of my favorite songs, and that is Sweet Hour of Prayer, and also uh, the pastor's wife sings a song that, that I um, enjoy hearing also when I come to Berean Baptist Church, maybe Maybe, 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 okay, hint, 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 all right, and um, all right, look, First uh, Kings chapter 18, First Kings chapter 18, we will not be reading all the text in the beginning of the sermon like a lot of preachers does and like I do in most sermons. But this is a lengthy passage, it's verse 1 down to verse 40, and we will be touching in and out of these verses throughout the message tonight. I would like to ask you a question before we get into the message, and uh, I hope it doesn't kill the service um, uh, or put you under conviction, but have you prayed today? Have you talked to the Father today? All right, you're raising your hands, yes. Some of you didn't raise them, but some of you did. And that's okay, but always follow that question with shame on you if you haven't talked to him because he's been good to us. You know, he's always good to us. Uh, all things were for the good to them that loves God. And, and, you know, those promises throughout his word is there for you and me and He's such, a, he's such a loving father. He's such a caring father, you know. And I'm not trying to be religious or being super spiritual here tonight. I'm just telling you facts. Our Heavenly Father is precious, isn't he? And um, so let's, let's stand and um, let me read uh, in 1 Kings 16.30... Uh, describing our first character, we have uh, Ahab, we have Jezebel, we have the false prophets of Baal, we have Elijah, the man of God, and then you have God in this story. And so let me just read this part of this verse uh, to you for the opening of the message. Ahab did evil in the sight of the Lord about all that were before him. He was a wicked man. Father, I love you. I pray that the message will go forth with power tonight. Father, that each one will, will receive what you would have us to receive and that we'll take it within our hearts and our souls and our minds. And Lord, help each one of us tonight to individually have a personal revival. And Lord, help, I just pray for our nation. 
I pray, Father, for our world that we can experience true revival. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Ahab was the most wicked king Israel had ever known. And I'll read the verse to you again. The Bible says Ahab did evil in the sight of the Lord uh, about all that were before him. And then in verses 31 down to verse 33, uh, I will be reading portions of these verses. Listen. And it came to pass, as it had been light, a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, he took the wife Jezebel and went and served Baal and worshipped him. And he reared up an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. And Ahab made a grove. And Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger that all the kings of Israel that were before him. And then I introduced to you Jezebel, the wife of Ahab, portrayed as the most wicked woman in the Bible. She was the power behind the throne. And then we have the, the, uh, the prophets of Baal, they worship the fire god. And, and I will talk about that a little more in a few moments. And then we have Elijah, the man of God. He was one of the most remarkable characters of Israel's history. And the Bible gives us a beautiful picture of this champion of divine rights in 1 Kings 18 and verse 36. The Bible tells us that he had a consuming passion for the glory of God. The text says, let it be known this day that, that, that uh, thou art God. He was content to be a slave of Jehovah. The text says, let it be known that I am thy servant. He wasn't, he wasn't ashamed of being a servant of God like a lot of people is today. You know, I'm not ashamed of God. I'm not ashamed of being a child of God. I am not ashamed of being a preacher for God. Amen? And I, I am certainly not ashamed of the message that God has given me to share across this country and out of this country, and that is prayer. But we see in the Bible here in 1 Kings 18 and verse 24 that Elijah is going to give a challenge to these uh, false prophets. And he said to these false prophets that the, that the God that answereth by fire, let him be God. Here we have two contrasting systems of worship they could not live together. The Bible says, can two walk together uh, except they be agreed in Amos chapter 3 and verse 3. And let me answer that question for you. No, they can't. You can't walk with someone in disagreement. It's not going to work. God always has a man uh, in, in all crises. God is never without his witness. 
There is always a Billy Sunday, a C.H. Spurgeon, um, a Matt Morrison. There's always a Bob Reno. There's always these men that uh, is standing in the gap. And sometimes I get so tired of hearing about Whitfield and Finney and Spurgeon and all these great men that are already, they have already died. They are gone. Why can't we praise the great preachers we have today that stands in the crisis of today? We ought to be praising them. We ought to be lifting them up. We ought to be um, praying for them, interceding for them, and standing up for them. And uh, so here is Elijah in this crisis, and he was a man of like passion, the Bible says, in James 5, 17. But he was also a man of courage. He was a man of faith. And here he is challenging the false gods of Baal to a test of strength with his God. And the challenge was a fair one because the God of Baal was the God of fire. So here he is standing in the crisis, standing before all these, all these hundreds of false prophets. And he said, the God that answereth by fire, let him be God. Whoa. The God that answereth by fire, let him be God. Was Elijah's suggestion to these uh, false prophets. And then in verse 21 of uh, 1 Kings 18, it says, uh, If the Lord be God, follow him. If Baal, then follow him. Let's see whose God is the true God. And then I want you to see tonight not only the crisis that Elijah is facing, but I want you to see the significance of the fire that he's talking about, the significance of the test by fire for the loss on the people of Israel. They could, not all re they could all recall occasions in the national history when God had answered by fire. Every one of them could, could go back in history and bring up these, these times that God answered by fire. Let me give them to you uh, real quickly. Uh, I will not take time to read all these scriptures, okay? I'm going to just give you the title. First, they knew that God manifested his presence to Moses in the burning bush. They knew that. They knew that was a fact in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 2 down to verse 4. Secondly, they, the presence of God on Mount Sinai was evident by fire in Exodus 19.18. They knew that. They knew the history of that. And then thirdly, they knew that the presence of God in the midst of the people was symbolized by fire which hovered over the tabernacle by night in Exodus 40, verse 35 and 38. So all of these, all of these things that they knew about fire and God. And then fourthly, there was a similar manifestation of the presence of God at the dedication of the temple. 
in, in 2 Chronicles and 7, uh, chapter 7 and verse 1. So we have seen from the Old Testament that fire is the manifestation of God's presence. But what is that mean? What is it meaning to us today? What does it mean to us? What does it mean to us in the New Testament uh, times? Uh, you know what the Bible is doing? It is announcing the ministry of Jesus here. And John the Baptist says, He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and, um, and with fire in Matthew 3.11. So his prophecy was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. The Bible tells us that there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire and set upon each of them in Acts 2 and verse 3. So as we look into this story tonight, fire is very, very, very important. And I want to bring a message to you about the fire of God, about the fire of God. How did it happen? Why did it happen? What caused it to happen? Let's look at the first thing tonight, the falling of this fire. In 1 Kings chapter 18 and verse 38, the, the Bible says, Then the fire of the Lord fell. But when did it fall, church? When did the fire fall? The fire fell. At a, at a time of national uh, apostasy, apostasy. Uh, Jehovah worship was at its lowest. Baal worship had captured the field. There was spiritual darkness everywhere. Everywhere you look, people was turning away from God. And, and, and earlier, God said to Elijah in 1 Kings 17, 3 and 5, he said, go ahead and hide thyself. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. And now comes the command, go and show thyself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. Now here he is telling Ahab, listen, this is what I want you to do. And it is, it is not difficult to appreciate how little Elijah wished to meet Ahab, his enemy. How would you, want, how would you like to face your enemy after you put a drought, prayed for a drought, and, and, and it hit the nation. Ahab was already mad, and he was already wanting to kill Elijah. And here is God telling Elijah, go and meet Ahab. How many of us would, would follow that command? But, you know, Elijah did. The Bible says he did. He went and, um, and listened to Elijah's obedience. Listen to what it says. And Elijah went to show himself unto Ahab. Church, I'll tell you this. It's not going to get any easier in America. It's not going to get any easier. Uh, we are going to face some things. We are already facing some things. Uh, we face a lot of things in the last two and a half years with this uh, COVID and all this stuff. But... Uh, but he, he said to Elijah, go and show yourself unto Ahab the king. And he followed him. I wonder how many of us are going to follow the Lord's commands when he tells us to stand against our own government. 
when he tells us, listen, you're a Christian, stand, stand for your rights. I wonder how many of us are going to be standing. I have a friend I told you about last night. I have just met him some months ago in his country, in his own country. He stood against his own government, was thrown into a dungeon. And I'm telling you, it was not a hotel. I'm telling you, it was just a four by six, I've heard. And, 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 and inside was dampness, no bathroom, no nothing. And this man and his father have stood against the government of this nation. And it's a large nation. And it's a wicked nation has thousands and thousands of gods, and this man is preaching Jehovah to him, to them, and he's standing strong, just like, just like Elijah did. And, and, and I hope that you will listen. Please listen. We will seek in vain the falling of the fire of God if there is some re- reverse uh, area in our lives concerning which we refuse to obey God. It may be in the area of your prayer life. It may be in the area of your study time, your Bible study time. It may be in the area of your soul winning time. It may be in the, uh, of, in the area of restitution. It may be in the area of apology. If we refuse to obey We are not going to have the blessings of God upon our life. The church will not be blessed. If if the church is going to experience the fire of God to fall in their ministry, they are going to have to uh, work on these reverse reserved areas of our life. We have to be honest with ourselves. We have to have to look into the mirror and see where the problem is and take care of it. And then number two, the fire fell after the Rern altar had been repaired. Look in First Kings 8, 18 verse 30. He repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. The prophets of Baal had broken, the, broken it down, and, um, and they had to re- repair it. They had to, they had to uh, bring the broken pieces back together and put it back together. See, the ruined altar spoke volumes about this situation. An altar is a symbol of worship. And, I, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed of our Baptist churches that we are not using the altars like we used to. Uh, I remember as a 16-year-old uh, preacher that uh, I, we had old tile floors in our church. And I can remember that the members of the church would come. And when they prayed at the altar, usually it was the entire church, and they would come and pray. And I can remember as a kid preacher uh, seeing uh, tears on that tile floor. People agonized with God, and they agonized for, their, for the community. And we had the fastest growing church in Brunswick, Georgia at the time. But tonight they run maybe 15 or 20 people where they used to run hundreds of people. And let me say, there's a reason for that. And the reason is they have 
They have broken down the altars. They, are not, they don't have one in their home. They don't have one in the, in the church house. And when the altars are torn down, and then the power of God will not fall, the, the fire of God will never fall in a case like that. And then the fire fell when the whole offering was placed on the altar. Look in 1 Kings 18, verse 33. He cut the bullock in pieces and laid it on the wood. The fire of God never falls on an empty altar. Write it down somewhere in the leaf of your Bible, maybe. The fire of God never falls on an empty altar. Brethren, did you hear that? The fire of God never falls on an empty altar. It, it is easy in a moment of exaltation and high resolve to place the whole life on the altar. But how about tonight? Uh, uh, how about consecrating our lives? Everyone here tonight, consecrating our lives to God tonight in this service. Do we want the fire of God to fall? Yes, Brother Beckham, we do. Well, we must give him our whole life. You can't reserve part of your life. You have to give him your hands. You have to give him your feet. You have to give him your voice. You have to give him your love. You have to give him 100% or the fire is not going to fall upon our churches like we have seen down through the years. The 1960s, I remember them very well. I was a kid preacher. I can remember how people, we had, we had real revival back in the 60s. We had a somewhat revival in the 70s, and then it started kind of fading away in the 80s, and then in the 90s, it started fading away. Someone asked me why. Why didn't the fire fall in the 80s and the 90s? Why aren't we seeing the fire fall today? And I said, well, uh, there's... The people are not doing what God is telling them to do. do. Uh, we are to be 100%, 100% sold out to God. Can you say that tonight? Can you say, Brother Beckham, I am 100% sold out to God. My hands are his. My, my feet is his. My voice is his. My talents are his. My home is his. My money is his. Everything I own is his. And then you will, you will notice that your life is different than somebody else over here that is not willing to do that. And, and we need to be willing to do that in our churches across America. You know, Ananias and Sapphira in the book of Acts is a prime example of someone uh, lying to God. Oh, yeah, they look good. They really did. They look good. They might have even sounded good. But, you know, um, they lied. And there's a lot of lying going on uh, in our churches across America, in the lives of a lot of so-called Christian people. It's easy to say, I love God, 
But listen, what if our government came down upon us like they have my friend uh, tonight and, and they just walked in, the soldiers did, like they are doing in that, in that country? And I, if I had the freedom, I would tell you the country I'm talking about. Uh, but you can buy the book. I can give you the title of the book. It is, it is terrible. But let me tell you, it can happen in America so quickly. So we got to, we got to get a hold of this. We must get a hold of this. What happened to Ananias in the fire? They fell dead for lying to the Holy Ghost of God. So if you say, I love God and you're not serving God, that's dangerous. Amen. Amen. That's a dangerous place to be. And Brother Beckham is very mellowed out tonight. And I'm telling you, I'm talking to you from my heart because I can just see this happening in America because America is not, is not repairing the altars. The America is not putting the all on the altars. And God is not going to put up with that. God is going to get our attention one way or the other. Oh, boy. And then I want you to notice the fire fell after the counterfeit had been excluded. In 1 Kings 18, verse 33, down to verse 35, Elijah said in verse 33, I want you to fill four barrels with water, and I want you to pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. Notice he had done this three times, four barrels of water. Uh, that's 12 Barrels. Now listen, verse 34. And he said, do it the second time. And they did it the second time. And he said, do it the third time. And they did it the third time. Twelve barrels of water. And then in verse 35, the Bible says, And the water ran around about the altar, and he filled the trench also with water. Elijah allowed no room for false fire. Three times in his, uh, in his challenge to the prophets of Baal, he said, put no fire under it. Don't put fire on it. Just put water on it. Most people would have been pouring gas on it instead of water. And, and so there would be no trickery on the part of the prophets of Baal. But he was equally strict with himself. Every precaution was taken against deception. He wanted it to be clear that the fire which fell on the altar was kindled in heaven. He wanted that to be clear. And here is the man of God. He's already invited the Baal worshipers to come near. And in verse 30... And then the sacrifice is soaked with water. Even the trench is full of water. And this is true faith. And here is Elijah standing there. And I'm thinking, don't Elijah know that wet things don't burn? Don't this man of God know that soaked things don't burn? burn there's water standing up on top of it there's water around it 
How many of us would have faith to do that? Let's just take recess here and ask that question. If you were put in that kind of situation to prove that God Jehovah is the true God of the world today, and God gave you strict instructions to do something like this, how many of us would do it? Notice I did not say how many of you. How many of us, it's easy for Brother Beckham to stand up and, and, and preach this, but what if God gave me the task to prove to America alone, not the whole world, but just to America, and he gave me an impossible task, would I be willing to do it? The prayer guy. Would I be willing to take the challenge? This man did, this, this Elijah did. And then I want you to notice in verse 36 down to verse 37, the fire fell. Why did it fall? Because Elijah had prayed the prayer of faith. The prayer of faith will, will make a church grow. The, faith, the prayer of faith will make your home grow. It will take care of revi- uh, uh, marriage problems. It will take care of financial problems. The prayer of faith is what he prayed. Listen, in verse 36, Elijah prayed, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac and of Israel, let it be known this day that I am thy servant and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that that thou art the Lord God. What a contrast. As you look at the behavior of the false prophets of Baal, the Bible says in 1 Kings 18, 28, that they cried aloud and they, they cut themselves after the matter with knives and, and blood was running out of their bodies and all this stuff. And here is Elijah, the man of God, standing on the sideline uh, making fun of them. I don't know if I would have done that. More likely I would have. Uh, I, I, I laugh at these crazy gods of America. There's millions here too. Not just in Africa and those countries are false gods. We have millions of gods too. Uh, some of them are the bass boats. Some of them are tree stands. Some of them are golf sticks. Some of, you, know, you know, I'm killing the service. I know that. But I, I, I'm just naming some of our gods that we face and worship today. Oh, what a contrast. No fire fell from heaven uh, from their old angry cries. They, they, I mean, they just crying loud and, and got loud, and, the, and then they started cut, cutting themselves, and no fire fell. Nothing really happened. Elijah said, hey, has your God gone on? Is he asleep? Has he gone on vacation? Has he, where is he at? Don't you know that stirred them up? The man of God standing there uh, laughing at them and screaming at them. So sure with Elijah, he says, the Bible, look at verse 27. I'll just read it to you. Elijah mocked them. Cry aloud. 
for he is a God. Neither is he talking or is he pursuing. He just talked to him. Amen. No sooner had this simple little prayer, 63 words, went up to heaven that the fire fell. 1 Kings 18, verse 38, then the fire of the Lord fell. The prayer of faith was immediately followed by the fire from heaven, the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the dust, the water alike offered no resistance to the heavenly fire. Elijah's prayer was answered. The supremacy of God was established. The presence and the power of the true God was once again manifest, manifested among the people. The honor of God and his servants was 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 made known that day. The, the, the pretensions of Baal worshipers were demolished. Listen, church, when our prayers are motivated by the desire, then the Father may be glorified in the Son. We, too, can see the firefall. We, too, can see it. But we, too, will never see it unless we do what Elijah did. Lastly, let's look, at, look with me at the achievement of the fire. The falling of the fire brought all Israel to their faces. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is the God. The Lord, he is the God. The people could not deny the evidence of their eyes. And ladies and gentlemen, a godless world will begin to pay attention to our witness when they see the fire among our midst. The manifestation of the presence and the power of the Holy Ghost at work among us. How can this be brought forth? It can be brought forth by prayer. By prayer. Let my house be known as the house of prayer. What do you think, church? Do you think it will work? I'm not talking again. I'm not talking about being religious, being super spiritual. God just wants us. He wants us to be, to have that kind of faith. have to be honest with you. If I was put in that predicament, I wonder 
I want to say I would. But I'm not, I have never been put into that kind of crisis yet. And you haven't been either. But what if we are? Are we going to have enough faith? If you, if we catch you at Berean Baptist Church on Sunday and go into prison, I wonder how many of us would come. If we pulled up out there and saw the authorities in the parking lot after they made that statement, I wonder how many of us would pull into the parking lot. And then if they walked in and took all the books that gave all the addresses and all the names of the members of the church and you found out they were coming to your house, how many of us would keep our name on the roll? These are, these are very real questions. When I stood there, I didn't know him. I didn't know who he was. One of the greatest missionaries, as far as I know, living today. It's almost like a living Paul. And this is what he said to me. I live to die. I live to be a martyr for my Savior so that my people can be saved. Mm. I don't know. In 55 years of preaching, Brother Reno, I don't know if I have ever met a man like that. And I have met some great missionaries, some great preachers, but there was just something about this guy. And when he walked away, I said to my friend that owned the bookstore, who is he? Because he didn't tell me. I said, Brother Dwight, who is he? And he told me a little bit. He said, you will be hearing from him. I said, I, have, I didn't give him a card. I didn't give him my name. I did. He said, I did. He asked for it. Oh, whoa. It wasn't but days. Got this long text. This long. Nothing about himself, but just scripture about what he's, what God has given him to do in his country of billions of people. I'm going to ask you again from my heart. If we were put in a position like my friend and like Elijah. 
Would we respond? Would we respond like that? That's a fair question to Brother Beckham and also to you. Is fair. Christ had a crisis. Did he not? He had a crisis. And his crisis was to come and die for a bunch of people that hate him. That hated him. But he came. He fulfilled his task. He died for us. They put him in a tomb. He came out on the third day. He's sitting on the right hand of the Father tonight. Ever liveth to intercede for you and me. But what are we doing for him? That's the question for the invitation. What are we doing for God? Think about it. I love you. Jesus, I pray in your name that you will take this message, Lord, and apply it. Apply it to my life. Apply it to all my brothers and my sisters that are sitting before me. And Lord, through the stuttering, mispronouncing words tonight, Lord, the devil fought in a great way. But Father, I did not stop. I kept talking. I delivered what you have laid upon my heart the best that I could tonight. And Lord, I just pray that everyone in this room, Lord, including me, that we will make sure that our lives are in a in, 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 in such a shape that your fire can fall upon us and that we can be a witness for you and that we can see true Holy Ghost sent revival in this church tonight. Thank you. As we all stand